if there's one thing that people that follow me online know is that I am the essential oil doubter, right? They're like, I'm like, these people that do essential oils feel like their essential oils can cure world hunger. And you know what? I needed an essential oil person or company that could bring me along slowly. And I finally found them simply earth essential oils. They got themselves a recipe box that brings me along slowly, but surely I get the recipe box with four pure essential oils and six recipe cards. I learned how to use those oils while making the recipes. I save money. It's like a meal subscription kit, but it's a little bit more fun and like you can't eat it. All right. Listen, it's absolutely incredible. This company is vetted. And again, these essential oils alone would cost you over $100 from other companies. But with the Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box, you get four pure oils, six recipes, and extra ingredients for only $39. And when you subscribe, you get a free big bonus box with even more natural goodies. So this is what you got to do. Head to simplyearth.com slash human hope. And you guys are going to get your essential oil recipe box. Plus, get a free 80 milliliter diffuser when you subscribe using simplyearth.com slash human hope. What is going on, human hope familia? Welcome to episode 36 of the Human Hope Podcast with your host, Carlos Enrique Whitaker Guzman Archibald Capello, or Los for short. Yeah, here we are, episode 36. This is like straight up midlife crisis episode, right? Like 36, like this is where we're like, oh my God, I'm not young anymore. I Am I old? I, wait, I don't think I'm old because like I, some of my friends that are 36 look like they're 29, are they millennials? Are they Gen X? Like, what's happening? That's where we're at. We're at episode 36. And, you know, in the midst of our episode, like, identity crisis, I am here to, first of all, thank you with everything inside of my ethos, inside of my heart, for sharing Losaya's podcast last week. Um. I'll, I was looking back at statistics. I'll be 100% honest with you. The first, I don't know, 15 episodes of this podcast, I was like really into the stats, right? I'm like, oh my God, like how many people are listening to the podcast? Like, oh my God, who's subscribed? Who's unsubscribed? Yada, yada, yada. And and now like I, I, I'm not into that because I'm having so much fun just doing the podcast every week that if it's, if it's just my mom and my Thea Nancy that listen to the podcast, like I'm in, like I'm good. This is good. Fortunately for you and me, that's not the only, those aren't the only two people that are listening to the podcast. Um, and I am grateful that you guys are listening and sharing the podcast. Last week's episode with my son, Losiah, was one of the most downloaded podcasts ever. Out of 35 episodes, it was like top four. That's, that's a big deal because I've had some pretty popular podcasts since then, since episode one. But um, that was really, really powerful. Um, and I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that you guys are listening. I'm grateful that you guys are sharing. I'm grateful that you guys are a part of this community. Uh, you know, these communities really, they overlap, right? Like I've, I've got the Insta Familia. You guys know about that. Some of you guys don't follow me on Instagram, but you are, just listen to the podcast. So I've got the Human Hope Familia. Yeah, I got that. Um, I have the Twitter fam, but if I'm honest with you, like Twitter people... 
Like they just, they kind of get the bad side of Carlos. So if you like, if you come from Twitter, I, here's this, you come from Twitter, you just follow me on Twitter. You're like, dude, this guy's like, like feisty and angry. Head over to Instagram uh, and you'll see like who I want to be. <laughs> who do I want to be? Well, can I tell you who I want to be? I want to be a guy that leads a movement of individuals that are into showing the world that we have more to be united over as opposed to divided over. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, just in the last six months, my Instagram familia has raised over three quarters of a million dollars for strangers. Yes. that Listen, there are TV shows. There are nonprofit organizations. There are philanthropists. There are fundraising professionals that could not end their wildest dreams. Imagine gathering people that don't look like each other, vote like each other, talk like each other, eat like each other, speak like each other, gathering them all together to accomplish a single goal, which is to lift another human being to the point of where they can breathe again. And that's what we do. uh, I mean, I'd say on a monthly basis, I try to spread them out. I try to not do these things all the time um, because, I mean, there's this thing as giving fatigue, but but I'm here to, to let you know that I'm seeing this happen. And, and also, I want you guys to understand this also. What, you know, as people come by my Instagram account, and it's so, it's so funny, every time I do one of these giving campaigns, giving blitzes, like I'll inevitably un- have like a thousand people unfollow me. And a few, I don't know, like a dozen of them will leave me DMs like, you know, like, I won't even tell you. I'm not even giving the time of day, but like, like they'll they'll let me know they unfollow me, right? And I'm I'm constantly the person that says, "Listen, my Instagram is not an airport. You do not have to announce your departure, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, departing from uh, Concourse A, Gate 27 is at blank blank blank. They're departing the Lewiswood Airport. No, like you don't have to announce your departure. I'm not an airport. Okay, I'm not an airport." But what I am is a place where whether or not people vibe with the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of people coming together to change people's lives, like like it doesn't matter if people are vibing with it or not. I'm going to keep doing it because it's happening. It's happening. And I'm just so grateful to be like your biggest cheerleader. I'm, I am the cheerleader of the Insta Familia. It is not me. This is not me. I'm not the hero. I'm not doing this. It's you guys. Oh man. So just thank you. Just thank you. I'm so grateful um, that this has become a thing. (laughs) Who knew this was going to become a thing? Who knew that? That like, like literally I have gotten requests from fundraising organizations to come help them fundraise. Like teach them how to fundraise. Listen, I'm just a I'm just a dude that like likes birds and fly fishing. And I just have happened to find and realize that people love to rescue others and people love to come together in spite of our differences. Unity is possible. It it just happened. I mean just this week, uh, the week of this podcast uh, the first week of November, 2021, you know, there, um, I, I did a Q and a couple, about a week ago. And there was a woman who on the Q and a just simply asked, Hey, do you have any resources on grief? Because I lost my newborn daughter 
and newlywed husband four days apart. And, and I, I read that and I was like, okay, whatever. Like I almost skimmed by it, but then I, I thought, okay, maybe, maybe she is telling the truth. Cause I, I mean, people want to hustle and swindle all the time, but I put some resources out there, but then I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, so like, what's this mean? And come to find out my soon to be new great friend, Melody had come home from her midwife appointment. She was a few weeks away from delivering her baby girl to find her newlywed husband deceased. And I I don't even know. um, I, I can't even begin to tell you how gutted I was at that and, and learning that. So she found her husband and then a day or two later, she went into labor, whether it be shock or not. And her baby, when she delivered her baby girl, after a few days after finding her husband deceased, her baby girl passed away. And what happens is the Insta Familia rallies around Melody, not only to raise $115,000 for her in 24 hours, but over 3,500 people have signed up for every single day over the next 365 days to reach out to Melody and to let her know that she is not alone. Because again, the truth of the matter is when, when trauma hits, um, people come in really, really quickly for like the immediate need, right? The funeral, the meal, meals, all those things. But after a week or two, everyone goes away. And I did not want that to happen to Melody. So I created a sign-up list and now <laughs> for the next year, she's going to have people checking up on her, multiple people a day. It's what we do. It's how to human. It's why I do what I do. It's why I lead the charge that I lead. You know, and and something else that I love about this movement is that, I mean, it's it goes without saying that not everybody that follows me believes the same things I believe. Not everybody that follows me believes the same things that other people that follow me believe, right? Like we've got a very uh, varying opinions. We've got varying political views, but everybody pushes those things aside for the common goal, which is to risk in order to rescue. And I want to let you guys know something. This week on the podcast, this is exactly what we're talking about. Like exactly what we're talking about. Before I even tell you who we're going to be talking to, I want to let you know the subtitle of the latest work she has created. It says this, speak your truth, first one, stay centered, second one, and third, learn to coexist with people who drive you nuts. <laughs> now, if that's not a subtitle, I don't know what is, but let me let me let you know. Kirsten Powers, she's an author, a columnist, and a political analyst. And what, what I love is that she's a political analyst, okay, for USA Today, CNN. She's been on Anderson Cooper, CNN Tonight with Don Lemon. And before all of you Fox News Network fans, turn me off. She also was a political analyst for Fox News Sunday, The Kelly File, Fox News, The O'Reilly Factor, okay? She has been on both sides of this aisle delivering news. 
And what she realized is something so profound. The rage that was filling her heart was absolutely destroying her. And what did she do? Well, I'm going to let you tell her. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm going to let her tell you what she did in order to find that healing. Kirsten Powers has written an incredible, incredible book called Saving Grace. Again, speak your truth, stay centered, and learn to coexist with people who drive you nuts. This is exactly what I'm talking about when I say don't stand on issues, but walk with people. This is what this book is about. This conversation alone is going to help so many of you. And it was one of my favorite conversations I've had on Human Hope so far. So friends, Kirsten has been a friend of mine for a long time. I'm so proud of the work that she's done. This is where we get to continue to unite again. Please sit back and enjoy this incredible conversation with our friend, Kirsten Powers. All right, Human Hope Familia, I am here with KP herself. Kirsten, why don't you introduce yourself to the Human Hope listeners and um, yeah, just just kind of give us, I've already introduced you myself. I said, you're my friend. I gave a little short bio, but tell us about kind of what you're about right now in this moment of your life. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to, great to be with you. It's great to see your face. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm right now all about grace which is the topic of my new book, but it's also really been what I have been marinating in for the last few years because I wanted to write this book. And so I had to really dig in personally into that and and, uh, experience what it's like to orient your life around the idea of having grace for other people, having grace for myself, and how that can impact your own life and also impact the people around you, your relationships with other people, and maybe even our culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe hopefully with the thing that we do in our own lives can impact culture around us. Yeah. Okay. So tell us this, Kirsten, why grace? What was it? What was the tipping point for you where you were like, you know what, of every word that I need to be focusing on in my life, grace is the word. Why, why grace? Well, that's a great question because when I look back now, I realized that it was an intuition. It wasn't something, I think at the time I was like, oh, it's grace, but, but it wasn't a really well thought out thing. It, it was more that my life just, I just hit a wall. And I, I got to this point after the 2016 election, this was, you know, it, I think I started to really become aware of it in, in 2018 and and then by the end of the year, I just had hit a wall and just realized my, the way I'm thinking about things, the way I'm often behaving, the way I'm thinking about other people does not align with my values. Wow. It does not align with what I say I believe. Uh, I believe in loving, loving your neighbor, but I also believe in loving your enemies. Right. And I was so far away from that. And I was so far away from it that I don't even think I even wanted to, to do it. Uh, Right. I recognize that I don't even want to make this effort uh, because I'm so angry and I'm so filled with rage and contempt and all these other things that I, even though I recognize how toxic contempt is and, and all those things. And so I ended up writing a column. I write for USA Today and I ended up writing a column 
about how I had reflected on how toxic our culture had become and how I had participated in that. And I wrote in the column, I feel like we need to have more grace for each other. Hmm. But that was it, right? I wasn't a really well thought out, well, what would that look like? What would that mean? It just was an intuition. Yeah. And so it ended up that a, a, a an agent reached out to me, and a book agent, and said, you need to turn this into a book. Huh. And I thought, gosh, that's true because this is really – because also what I had decided – and when I wrote this column, this was the intention. The intention was to – acknowledge where I felt like I was going wrong yeah. uh, publicly because I'm a public person and to pledge to do better. And I feel like that's important for people to do, but it was also a marker because once you go out in public and say something like yeah. that, you're, you're going to be held accountable if you don't hold yourself accountable. So it was basically a marker that this is going to be a turning point for me. Okay. And so I knew that I was going to make, try to turn, but I didn't know how I was going to do it. And that's what became the book. Wow! It became the story of me trying to make that turning point and the things that I ran up against and the things that I learned. And I now, truthfully, the intuition was so dead on that it's kind of crazy because I know so much about grace now that I didn't know when I started yeah. this, but it was exactly right. But I didn't understand why it was sure. right. That makes sense. No, that, that makes, that makes all the sense. Let's do this for me. Let's go back to, let, let's go back to like, even like pre knowing you needed grace Kirsten. Okay. Let, let's, let's actually even rewind a little farther than that. Let's go back to like when Kirsten is like fresh into like, okay, wow. Like I am stepping into this political landscape. I don't know how old you were at this point when you first mm-hmm. were stepping into media or journalism. Um, but but talk to me about, let's go back then. You, you st- I don't know what your first job was. So maybe just take us back to your first journalistic experience in the political spectrum and maybe just take us for five or 10 minutes on like how you actually have seen the need for grace continue to grow as maybe the platforms that are allowing more and more people to express their opinions have grown. Um, I, I guess I'm just asking for you to go back to kind of rookie yeah. Kirsten and and then maybe, you know, take us on that journey to when, to when you realize, wow, things are, are, are actually getting worse. Yeah. So journalism is a second career for me. So it didn't really start until I was okay. in my 30s. Um, and, you know, at that time, I'm trying to think back, uh, I don't know when Twitter was founded, but I wasn't okay. on it and it wasn't, um, a factor in my life for many years. Right. I mean, I was, I was in the media for probably five years before I ever got on, on Twitter. I think, uh, Facebook, maybe once I was in the media again, sort of later on became, that was, remember it was kind of for the totally. kids and, uh, yeah, before it became like a destroyer <laughs> of democracy. <laughs> um, and so it, yeah, and so uh, kind of late to that as well. You know, Instagram right, didn't yeah. even get on that until maybe three or four years ago. So I wasn't. So, so social media wasn't really uh, part of the conversation, and so I think that um, the dis and the disagreements were really between Republicans and, and Democrats. Right? It was around sort of these issues that always had kind of been around, and there was you know, some crossover on some things, um, but it wasn't it wasn't yeah. what it is today. 
where you even have Republicans who can't right. get along with Trump voters, right? And so it's, um, and so I think that I, but but I, I want to be careful not to romanticize sure. that time. It's true that it, it it's true that it felt less toxic, um, and 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 some of that is because there were fewer voices, mm. wow. frankly, in the in the media, and so when you have um, everybody kind of looking the same and kind of coming from the same places and living in the same places, um, you'll, you it might feel less toxic and it might feel more unified. Right. But a lot of people didn't have a wow. seat at the table. And so now everyone has a seat at the table, you know, not at the highest levels, of course, you know, we need more diversity there on all levels. But I think that, now people who didn't have a voice have a voice and they're on, they're on social media and they're saying things and sometimes they're driving national wow. conversations. Right. And so it can feel very divisive, but I think we have to be careful about not like some things are divisive and some things are just sure. things are being said that should have been wow. said a long time ago. Wow. Right. So, so I think that for me, that part of it is not a problem. Like that did not cause me any real consternation. I think that what made it difficult for me, well, first of all, being a woman in the public eye um, on TV, you become a real target. And so I think it's hard for everybody, but it's particularly hard to just be constantly, constantly yeah. viciously attacked um, and threatened. And, um, and so that, that did, and, and that did change wow. that, that did become, I was never really frightened before. And it, it started to just become so much more personal and, and I felt like, um, yeah. And so I think that it's hard to, you know, for me, it really 2016 really wow. is a was a turning point, you know, up until that point, it, it was very different. I think that I worked at Fox news. I was, even though I was left of center, I was on with people who thought things that were very yeah. different than what I thought. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't feeling what I was feeling post 2016. Now I do talk in the book about the fact that on this journey of trying to have more grace, one of the things I realized mm -hmm. was I need to deal with my issues because when I behave in a toxic manner, it's usually because I've been triggered and I go into mm -hmm. a sort of unconscious state and I have to, I have to contend with that. And in a weird way, because I hadn't dealt with my issues and because I really, you know, when we're triggered, we'll, we'll right. either fight, flight, or freeze. And I tended, sometimes I would fight, but mostly I would flight. And by that, sure. I mean, I would dissociate. And so it, it gave me a higher toleration sometimes for things that I kind of look back on now. And I'm like, I don't think that whole Bill O'Reilly fighting with Bill O'Reilly on Monday nights thing was probably <laughs> the most healthy decision right. that I made. You know, it's like getting, getting screamed at and, you know, it's just, right. it's not something I would do today. And, but so I was able to be in these kind of toxic situations and just kind of just be almost just, yeah. it's almost like it wasn't happening. You know, it took someone saying to me, I saw that last night and wow. you, you can't do this anymore. Yeah. This is insane. Um, and at the same time, you know, Fox, I had a kind of bifurcated existence because there's the, or there was, I, I don't think it's yeah. quite the same, same place today, but there was a news division and right. then there was the entertainment division. And so I did both when I was in the news division, it was actually quite sane. 
And it was, I was on with people who thought very differently than I did. Charles Krahammer, George Will, Steve Hayes, you know, these people. But we were having discussions around ideas and uh, they were friends. And yeah. it was, yeah, I really, I was able to kind of say like, you think that I don't agree with it. I sometimes think it's super problematic. And I tell you that. And you tell me when post 2016, it became a different kind of conversation. And, and it didn't wow. feel like it was about wow. ideas, right? It felt like it was about mm. contempt and just it wasn't, I didn't often right. feel that it was truthful. You know, I, I just felt like it's one thing to stake out a claim and say, I'm, I'm pro-life for these reasons, or I believe in low taxes for these reasons, or I believe in the strong military. But that's not really what the conversations were around because of the way Donald Trump governed, right? It was what, because we are really organized around what the president's doing, uh, the political media. And so it was driven by his behavior. And so we often would just end up talking about what he said that didn't really make yeah. sense or seemed to add up, you know, right? So it was kind of a, it was a very difficult situation. And so all that said, I think today, if you put me who I am today in that exact same situation, I'm not saying I would enjoy it, but I think I would be able to use grace wow. as a practice mm -hmm. and a tool to stay more grounded and to not take all that on. I was taking it all on. It wasn't just sure. happening. I was like, give it to me and I'm going to take it home and I'm going to marinate it in it. I'm going to be so angry. And then I'm going to talk to everybody about it. And then I'm going to judge it and I'm going to label it. And it's like, totally. What was that? Who was I helping? Like, yeah. Was that yeah. solving a problem for someone? Cause I, it wasn't, it was making me yeah. miserable and sick and all these other things and right. not having the right. capacity right. to do anything positive really. Because I was just getting through the day. I was just surviving, basically. Man, and you know, I, I hear you say that. And yes, you were you were doing this and living this out in the public sphere. You were living this out in front of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. But I, I would mm -hmm. also say that hearing you say that, I would say a lot of my listeners would would say, okay, Kirsten, you're right. And you were living that out in front of me on my team, but I'm living that out at my dinner table. I'm living that out, you know, yeah. like, like right now, like it, it has gone from like, yeah, you know, I believe that these ideals can help our country move in the direction that to all out, you are a, this name, that name kind of deal, yeah. you know, and I love, I love, you know, uh, on, when, on your book, it talks about on a good day, there will be civil disagreement on a bad day it's all out trench warfare, right? Like it is just, and that's what I feel like a lot of people are, are sitting in this, this war, this all out trench warfare. So as you were wondering, and you, you know, help us in your book, how in the world, you know, and we don't have 12 hours to, to dive into this, but help us, help us with how we deal with this madness and chaos that we find ourselves in, not only just, on Twitter and on social media, but with people that we love, people that actually we had relationships with that now suddenly we don't talk to because they, we call them names, they call us names and it's just madness. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's really hard. And I, I yeah. think that um, I, the one thing that we have control over is ourselves. That's good. Right. So I think that's where you start. 
And so you just start with what can I do um, with my behavior, right? Because you're not going to be able to control what other people are doing. And so now what you can do, and I have a whole chapter on it, is boundaries, which I think a lot of people maybe don't entirely understand. I certainly didn't. And how do you use those so that you don't do what I was just describing? So, so in the same situation where that person at work is saying things and just even the sight of them, like, oh, yeah. makes me furious, um, oh, yeah. is how would you, how would I interact with them? Well, I would use boundaries. And so when I use boundaries, I basically say, I'm going to be discerning. Like you have to give up being judgmental, which if you're a Christian, you should already have given up. Yeah. <laughs> But totally. I hadn't. Um, and so you, you know, and so rely on discernment. So you're seeing yeah. something and you know, and you just feel like that's not okay. And um, I don't like that. It's not for me. I'm a no to that. I might need to say something to that person and then we'll get to the next step. That's another step of then how do you say it, right? Um, and, but I'm not going to go down the road of judging you because once I judge you, I'm now entangled. I'm mm. that whole thing I talked about where you take it on. You feel it in your chest. You're just like, go home. You're mad. You're kind of in a bad mood. Um, maybe you need now you got to get on social media to find people who think like you so you can all vent about the person, right? So you just first say, no, no. Yeah. And um, and so I think th- th- that's the first thing. And you, um, you have to think about what you're taking into your body also. So if that's you are so consuming a lot of social media... If you are able to consume a lot of social media around politics and then be graceful to people, you should win an award because <laughs> I, I don't know how you do that, right? It's, um, it is, it is, and I go into this in detail in the book. I think we all understand it kind of intuitively, but really familiarize yourself with the brain science and what these, which the social media companies have studied and they have created it to enrage you. They have created mm-hmm. it to cause outrage. They've created it to cause division. And so, you shouldn't be surprised when you go on and then you, you get off and you hate everybody. Right. 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 It's everybody, at least everybody who doesn't think like you. So the first thing I did was I got off social media. Wow. And I was off of it for a month and it was unbelievable. First of all, I realized that like it made me agitated just watching it. It made me agitated. Um, I stopped ever. I don't, I still to this day, even when I get on it, I don't, I don't call people out. I not that I was ever big on that in the first place, but I just don't do that. I don't argue with people because you can't have a reasonable conversation on social media. It is, it doesn't happen. Uh, Try to have an argument through email sometime and see how that goes. (laughs) Right. It's like, it doesn't work. And so this idea where I'd be like, no, 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 I'm just going to explain it more. And I'm going to, you know, like, it's not, no, it doesn't matter how you say it. It doesn't matter how nice it doesn't, it's going to get twisted. And, and honestly, people, like I said, their brains are working against them. They're, they already think you're saying something that you're not saying. So just, you need to just cut that off. And then if you want to have it in your life, start sort of titrating it back in and start to notice, like, at what point is it too much for me? Yeah. And for some people, they're just going to have to not go on it. For other people, they can go on it a few, you know, five yeah. minutes, 10 minutes, set a timer, um, you know, for the amount of time to be on it and, and then do the same thing with the news. Wow. Uh, stop mainlining the news. It's, I was like, hit me again, hit me again. You know, it was just like, give me me more and why what was the I, I, I like why do i need to know what's going on minute by minute i don't even need to do that for my job so i can guarantee you you do not need to be doing it um and so 
I was like, no more TV news, which I know is a crazy thing for someone on CNN to say. Um, and so I cut that off. And again, sort of titrated it back in. And I was like, I, fa- I found for me, and everyone has to do this own, their own experience, that I'm less activated by reading something. So versus seeing something on TV. So, so I really good. limit the TV news. And, um, and then I set aside a certain amount of time every day to read so I can be informed. And the goal for media consumption should be to be informed. If media consumption is just making you outraged and angry, you're, you are not consuming the right thing. You need to, you need to be informed. We all need to be informed citizens, but truth is our brains are very drawn to that link. That's promising your least favorite person is getting a smackdown or whatever. Right. You just, you got, and so I actually, I actively am like, don't, touch that link like that is designed it's like it's like crack and i'm supposed to like go for it i'm not doing it i'm not going down that road because i know where that takes me so i think so there's very practical things that you can do um and so you have so if you're working on yourself i think whatever it is that will ground you whether it's prayer meditation both exercise getting enough sleep all those things to, to really ground you and center you, then that's going to put you in a better place when you encounter somebody who is saying these things um, that are so upsetting. And when you, I think then when you get in that situation, that's really where you want to practice grace. Mm. And so that's where you look at the other person and you recognize they're not just the thing they're saying. Um, they're a complicated person. My mom is saying some things that are very upsetting to me right now politically but she's also the one who kissed me when i fell down when i was a child she's also the one who was cheering for me you know at every game she's also these other things so let's take a holistic look at people and remember that they're not the sum of their worst beliefs or their worst moments and also remember that someone's telling them this you know it's not i honestly when i struggle the most with grace it's for leaders who I know know better. Mm. And so that I know don't believe what they're saying and that they're just getting people activated and riled up. But for the average person, they trust who's the people that are giving them this information. They don't, they don't, they don't believe that they're being told things that aren't true and that they're repeating things that aren't true. They really believe that what they're being told and they're not aware that these people are intentionally trying to get them all jacked up and mad and angry Mm -hmm. and divided. Uh, And nor should they be. I don't think the average American should be a cynic and you know, that's not, that's not their, that's not really on them. So I think like, just remember that like that they are, they are in many ways trying to be a good citizen and trying to be informed. They're just not getting, you know, good information. And so, um, and then when, when you look at them, I also say like grace is so great. So just to back up, I, I do use the Christian paradigm of grace, unmerited favor. We always think of that in terms of God, right? But really we can extend that to each other. And what that means is, when you when you look at a person, no matter what they've said or done or who they voted for, like you see the humanity in them, you see the spark of the divine in them, and 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 you treat them you you treat them with this openness and this compassion uh, using grace, not because of anything they've done, but just because they mm. are, because they exist, because they're a person. It's the you know it's the same thing. We get God's grace 
not because of anything that we've done. And so a lot of times people want to say, well, that person needs to do this on the other thing before I can, you know, I can open myself up to them. And, and if, but if you use grace, that's not true. It's like, you just get to be treated with humanity and, and compassion and empathy because yeah. you're you and that's it. And one formulation for me that was very helpful is grace is allowing other people to not be you. So we automatically go to this thing of like, you don't believe everything I believe. Well, then you're a horrible person and you're this and you're that. And it's like, and so I think that to rec- to recognize that other people are allowed to not be you and not think about things like you think and not be evil, <laughs> right? They might be wrong, but they're not rotten to the core people because they believe different things than you. And I have a section also in the book that I think is important is we have to work on our, our humility again, Christianity. Um, and, and so instead of looking at a person, how could you think that, how could you, whatever, why don't you take some time reflecting on the things that you've done or the things that you've believed in the past that were problematic that at the time you just didn't know any better, right? You were doing the best you could with what you had. And that's, that's a fundamental tenet of grace. It's looking at other people and going, you know what? They're doing the best they can. It's not very good, but it's the best they can right now. And certainly I look back on my life and I'm like, wow, that was, yeah, that was problematic, you know, but at the time I didn't know that or I wouldn't have been doing it. And, and so for me, when I talked about in the beginning where I hit this wall, I stepped back and I did this self-reflection and it was horrifying. And, uh, once you can come to terms with all the things that you've done and all the grace you've received from other people, it's a, it, it gets a lot easier to give yeah. it to other people. This is so good, Kirsten. And there's so much more of the conversation coming up, but I do want to talk about one of our show sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And I've gotten so many DMs from you guys saying that you are joining. I'm so proud of you guys. Remember, going to therapy is like getting, you know, getting your oil changed for your car to prevent bigger issues, going to the gym to make sure that your body is making sure it is intact and staying healthy, right? It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself. Now listen, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating in as little as 48 hours. So why invest in everything else but your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Human Hope. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash human hope. That is B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash human hope. Now, shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. 
Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Back to Kirsten. This is, wow. I mean, that that's what you just unpacked right now. Uh, if somebody just applies a few of those, even one of those principles, just to get their lungs back, you know, just to get that place where you can take a deep breath and feel like it actually is a deep breath and that there is the potential for healing yeah. uh, of relationships, you know? Um, yeah. Well, and then, and then I was going to say, if you run into something where the person, like we all have to decide what we can handle, right? Some people like you, for example, you're a bridge builder. You, you have that gift. You clearly feel called to doing it. Um, right. Everybody isn't like that. You know, everybody doesn't feel called to that. Everybody isn't good at it. And some people actually find it yeah. harmful to them. You know, they don't have the emotional capacity for it. And that's perfectly okay. And so we all have to look at ourselves realistically and say, what am I capable of doing yes. and have grace for ourselves? That's okay. It's okay if you can't listen to your mom talk about things that, you find offensive and, 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 and that's when you use boundaries. You don't judge her. You don't label her. You don't shame her. You just say like, look, mom, this isn't, I just think, I don't think, I think we should talk about other things. Um, and you know, if, if it's something that's something that you really care deeply about, then there are other ways Mm -hmm. for you to help. So I say like, no, Mm -hmm. know what your no is and also know what your yes is. So, you could say I'm a no to the things my mom is saying about undocumented immigrants. I've tried to talk her out of it. She's not listening. So I'm going to give money to an organization that helps them, or I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to make phone calls for them, or I'm, I'm going to do something for me. It could be, I'm going to write a column. We all have things that we can do that are actually going to make a difference versus an argument at the dinner table. And so I do think, and I say this very clearly in the book that, that, you know, we do have to remember we can't just say, oh, I just can't deal with it. I want to watch Netflix. I'm not going to engage on the racist things my uncle is saying. Because when you do that, the people who suffer yeah. are the people that they're harming, right? So I think you do have to dig deep and, and try to have a conversation and use, I have a chapter on embracing healthy conflict mm. uh, versus fighting. And you use those tools to try to engage. And then if you do that and it turns out this person just isn't interested and isn't going to listen to you and just wants to fight or just wants to demonize or whatever it is, um, then you can, then you move on to, okay, then what can I be doing? But there are ways to approach people that can occasionally change their minds 
Um, and surprise, 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 it's not calling them names. Yeah. You know, or shaming them. It's, uh, <laughs> it's shocking, truly. And so, so I think that it's, it, it's for people who have the capacity to do that, because then there are other people also who say, I'm suffering from depression. I can't also be arguing, you know, with people at dinner over these issues. Yeah. You need to take care of yourself. You know, you need to you, you always yeah. come back to like, I have to have grace for myself. And, um, and so you, you do what you can do and, and it might just yeah. be, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to, I'm going to say before Thanksgiving dinner, Hey, mm-hmm. can we mm-hmm. not talk about politics? You know, can we not do that? And you have to enforce the boundaries or when you're talking, you're, when you're talking to your parents and they bring things up or they're texting you news stories just to say like, look, I don't want, I love you and I want to have a relationship with you, but we can't yeah, talk about yeah. these things and you have to enforce it. If they call you and they start doing it, say, Hey, yeah. I said, I don't want to talk about this. So I'm going to hang up. But if you want to call yeah. back and talk about your grandkids, I'm happy to do that. Just no judgment, no labeling, no shame, just, yeah. you know, just grace, like just, just use grace. And, um, and then, uh, like I said, you can go, you know, in the book, I have all the different things you can do, but there is, there is some social science around how people change their minds that I, I found incredibly helpful. This is no, this is so, so good. You know, I, I, there's people that are listening right now that honestly, they're, they're they do maybe feel a little bit called out, you know, uh, which is fine. I, that, that, that's what I'm trying to do on, on my Instagram. I, I try to gracefully, I love the word that's in your um, title because that's what I try to do. I try to have grace-filled conversations about difficult subjects and which I feel like is the only way to have, you know, productive conversations. But again, I I don't necessarily know that um, we're going to get there knowing that you're taking your book from like a, a a Christian perspective of of what grace is, you know, and I, I look back at this week and I think of just like two examples from both sides of two extremes of schools of thought, right? I've, I've got, I saw somebody that, would label themselves as a Christ follower that was having like zero empathy towards somebody that had died of, um, of, of COVID because they had not gotten the vaccine. Right. So suddenly there was, yeah. and I'm, and I'm sitting here going like, how could you, how could you go to your church and sing these songs and then walk out and have zero compassion for somebody that made a decision that you would not have made, but ultimately cost them their life. And then I see on the other side, a friend of mine that, that would call themselves a Christ follower hashtagging let's go Brandon on all of their things, which is like a blatant, you know, um, cussing out of our current president of the United States. And I'm, I sit here and I think, okay, what has happened is these people have just been sucked into the rage machine. And I know that they probably um, are getting some serotonin hits by, by throwing these things out there to make themselves, you know, feel a little bit better. But what I feel like you're calling mm-hmm. us to is to actually, because you had to do this, and I think this is important. You actually have to kind of call out yourself, and you have to admit, you have yeah. to admit that you are part of the problem, and you have to remove yourself completely. And so, you know, I just feel like that that's something important that I want my listeners to hear is that we all have contributed to this toxicity. And it's, it is a very simple solution to do. The very first thing you said is completely unplug yourself from the toxic space so that you can give yourself a few weeks to realize, wow, life doesn't have to exist in this rage machine that I find myself in. Yeah. And you can like, my Instagram is very curated. So I don't, 
I don't follow anybody who's posting about anything that could potentially yeah. trigger me. I'm just following my friends, yeah. right? So it's in cute dog memes or whatever, right? So it's not, so you, you can still do it, but you just have to be aware of, of the things that, um, that trigger you. And yeah. I think, I think the people that you're describing, I think, I mean, again, I do really believe people are doing the best they can. And so I suspect they're not really conscious of what they're doing. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of, we just get in these, um, sort of automatic behaviors that we don't really analyze. And so when you're doing it, you don't really, you're not really aware of it. Like everyone around you doing it. You've always done it. You haven't really thought about it. You haven't really examined it. And so, um, I would just, a, a, a real marker of a pro- when you know you're going down the wrong road is when you, when you're judging other people or accusing other people or delighting other people's harm or any of those things, yes. it's because that's really about you. And so what is it in, what is it, what is that about in you that you're sort of projecting out onto the world and a big part of my book, and I would not be where I am today if I hadn't had a therapist and worked through my issues on trauma and I went to onsite and I worked through some very traumatic issues that were clearly affecting me and causing me to see the world in this very binary good versus evil way. And if you're seeing the world that way, grace is kind of almost a metaphysical impossibility. It's because you, you actually have convinced yourself that it's good versus evil and I'm good. I'm on the good side. So everything I do is justified and, um, and, and they're evil. So obviously anything I say about them is justified. And I've seen the same thing with people being happy when people die, who, especially people who are out there talking about how you shouldn't take the vaccine. And I look at it and I think, I feel so bad that they believed these people who told them Mm -hmm. that this was true because they obviously believed it was true or they wouldn't have done it. Right. It's, um, and it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. And so I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of grace is, I feel like probably most of the benefits, um, are for you personally. It's, it's nice for other people that you have grace with them and you're not doing some of the things we're talking about. But ultimately when you're delighting in somebody dying, um, delighting in the fact that their family has lost somebody, that's a pretty dark place. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that's, that's harmful to you. Mm. And, and so I would say people will need to really take time. And so I don't know, are you an Enneagram place? Do you do Enneagrams here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Enneagram was very helpful to me. So Richard Rohr was the one who I feel like, had I not discovered Richard Rohr, I don't know that any of this would have happened because uh, he is the person who introduced non-dualism to me, the whole binary, you know, the way that we think about in this country. I mean, our whole political system is, is binary. Uh, You just have two choices. And, and so I was like, whoa. And then the Enneagram, which he wrote a book on the Enneagram a while ago, which I'd always been hearing about from the Nashville people. I know. And I was like, that's kooky. Like Nashville just, yeah. is in love with the Enneagram. Yeah. And so I was, so I kind of like took another look at it and I, um, I thought I was a one. It turns out I'm an eight. And, but in either case, they're very it, unhealthy ones and eights are incredibly judgmental. And and so once I heard Ian Crone, I was listening to Ian Crone's podcast and I heard him say, people always say I'm an eight or I'm a three or whatever. He said, but that's not really who you are. That's your response to trauma. Mm. 
That's the personality you created in response to trauma. I remember where I was <laughs> when I heard that. I was like, what? And so all of a sudden I realized, wait, so when I'm in this unhealthy space of good versus evil, black versus white, you know, prophetic speaking, you know, all this kind of stuff that I kind of dressed up as being really righteous, which is actually self-righteous. Yeah. Um, that's my trauma. Wow. And that was what I did to make me feel safe. Wow. And I continue to do it to make me feel safe. And so that's when I found I was like, all right, go to get pack your bags and go to onsite. You've been putting it off for like 10 years. Every single person you know has gone. And I went and it turns out that it was I was absolutely right. And I ended up dealing with some really intense trauma that had never been processed. And I was able after that to it just gave me more space to be generous to other people. And I didn't, I didn't need that to feel safe anymore. Mm. And so we all have trauma and it, it, trauma doesn't have to be spectacular. Right. And it, you know, it can, it just, it's, it's not person, it's not uh, event specific, it's person specific. Right. So one thing's traumatic to one person and another person it's not, it's just, it's very specific to you. And so if you can kind of look at it, and I do feel like the Enneagram is a great diagnostic tool in that way because you can see how what you have, have constructed to keep you safe and then ask, how is that impeding my ability to have grace? Yeah. Um, because other people, or how is it making me think I'm offering grace when I'm actually just enabling yeah. people? Yeah. Because for some numbers, people will be like, wow, they're so graceful. And it's like, no, they just don't ever want to make anybody mad. Right. Totally. Uh, right. And so it's like, that's not really great. You're that's talking to an Enneagram nine um, right here. So I, I get that. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, I'm talking about those nines <laughs> and, um, and, and that it's not, um, you know, one of the, I had a lot of resistance also when I started writing the book, I almost gave the the money back at one point. Cause I, in the very beginning, as I really digged in, dig deep, I was like, I don't <laughs> like, I don't like, I don't like, this is, this is weak. This is sure kind of pathetic you know like i want to be like calling people out and naming truth and speaking truth and all this kind of stuff and so until i really got into it and i i read a lot of mlk i read you know i read um uh you know john lewis you know civil rights heroes ruby sales i interviewed for the book and because what was really helpful for me in that paradigm was to see well, they had, they obviously had grace, right? They weren't demonizing people. In fact, they were calling people to a higher level. Like you're better than this, basically. Um, we're a better country than this. And, and they weren't doing that necessarily for other people. They were doing it for mm-hmm. themselves because they didn't want to become bitter. And, and it, obviously it was, it was their Christian faith as well, but they also studied Gandhi. And, and so it, I it was like, well, if, because I don't know. I, I think other people might be able to relate to this. You kind of get into this thing where you're like, well, people just don't understand. I mean, I know the Bible says you're not supposed to judge people. And I know that you're, you know, you're supposed to have grace, but like, this yeah. is just, this yeah. is different. You know, this is just different. And um, as if Jesus didn't actually, right. you know, encounter mean people saying things that weren't true. Um, and, and so when I, when you look at actual yeah. people, uh, in the civil rights movement and say, gosh, you know, that was, their lives were way harder than my life. And they still were acting with grace and they still were not judging, labeling people. Um, then it's not weak. Mm. I mean, no one would ever say MLK yeah. was weak. 
right? It's not, it's not weak. It's not being a doormat. It's not rolling over. You can, you still can, and you still should call out injustice. That's, it's not, it's just that you don't demonize the people. You don't, uh, right. It's like, so it's not, you focus on the behavior and this is a problem and it's not right. And it's, it's inhumane. Um, it's unkind. It lacks compassion, uh, all of those things. And so that was a big turning point for me when it was like, you know what? I can actually still uh-huh. do the things that matter the most to me, but do them with grace. Yes. Oh, that's, I, that is so good. I need everyone to hear that. And before you hear that, I need to let you know about one more show sponsor, time.com. That's that award-winning app and debit card that saved its members more than 10 billion with a B in overdraft fees with spot me fee free Overdraft. Eligible members can overdraft up to $200 on debit card purchases and cash withdrawals with absolutely zero fees. Now, this is what I need you to do. You can have financial peace of mind. Join millions of Americans and me already loving Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score. How do you do it? Head over to chime.com slash human hope. That is chime.com slash human hope. Hope banking services provided by a debit card issued by the Bank Corp Bank or Stride Bank NA members FDIC spot me eligibility requirements apply. Overdraft only applies to debit card purchases and cash withdrawals. Limits start at $20 and may be increased up to $200 by time. Chime members overdraft fees saved based on eligible members use of spot me versus $33 average overdraft fee. Overdraft fee data based on bank rate checking account survey and CRL June 2020 overdraft fees report. You know, even even think about who it is that you're following. What do you see on your feed every day? Are people that may agree with you and you may agree with them and they may be after maybe the same goal as you demonizing people that that look and think and talk and vote differently than they do. If that if that's what's happening in front of you, then then that probably means you can unfollow. But that doesn't mean that you're unfollowing your your, uh, you know, point your center of of your moral compass it's not like you're turning your back on your values because you're still you're still you you can still affect change but you can do that in a way where you're not demonizing people where you're looking more at your heart as opposed to other people's hearts um this is just all so good i'm so glad that you didn't give the money back and that that, (laughs) i I am too but man it was hard i know no uh kirsten it was so hard i mean i was like with i with my therapist (laughs) i you know she would say uh i would say something and she'd say that's a little judgmental and I'd be like, but it's true. <laughs> and she'd say, yeah, it, it may be, but like try saying it another way. That's not, don't label it. Like yeah. don't, don't like judge the person. And so then I would say it again. And I honestly felt like I was saying it in a very <laughs> graceful way and non judgmental way. And she'd be like, still judgmental. Oh, wow. You know, it was just, it was so funny. Like I just had a really hard time with it. I just, I love that. And, and again, if you know an eight, like yeah. it's just, that's, that's just something I'm that I one. will always be fighting. So against. I get it. <laughs> I, Oh yeah. It's something I'll always be fighting against, but you know, who was an eight was MLK, wow. which blew my that's mind. Crazy. Yeah. And so it's because an eight, when they're healthy, looks like a healthy yeah. two. Um, but they also are, are so oriented around justice and sure, equality. Sure. Right. And so, and you know, when I was going to give the money back and I really was, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and my fiance, who's a journalist said, no, you've got to do this. And I was like, look, this just is not who I am. I am not like, 
I, I just don't have it. I can't do this. And he was like, that's why you need to write the book wow. because most people aren't like that. And it's like, yes, we can think of some people that are sort of naturally like that, but it's, you know, for somebody who is so oriented around justice and equality and fairness and all of these things to be saying, look, there's another way we can yeah. do this that I actually think is more effective. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I, you know, I think in the end it's more effective and you may actually be able to change somebody's minds. And, you know, and like I said, I think it's good for you and it's good for the people around you, but this country is on a trajectory that is terrifying mm. to me. And I, I also interviewed people who have worked in peace and reconciliation and they all say the same thing. They're like, we've seen this in other countries wow. and it just ends up in civil war. And people say, Oh, and when you talk to the people who were, in countries that devolved into civil war, they say, and we all said, Oh, it will never happen wow. here. Wow. You know, and, and it did. And it, it they describe exactly what's going on wow. in our country. I mean, just the absolute contempt that people have for each other and just, just yeah. hatred. And, and it, and it, it moves into de the demonizing and the dehumanizing. Wow. It starts to become, obviously it's dehumanizing. If, if people are saying, I'm glad somebody died, they have, you have to kind of dehumanize Absolutely. somebody in order to feel that way. Yeah. Right. It's um, because I think if you really thought of them as a person with all sorts of other qualities that are probably mm -hmm. great with a daughter or sure. parents or, you know, any of these things, friends, a community, um, it's very hard to think about somebody that way. No, it re it really is. One of the things that, you know, I, I mean, I've been very vulnerable on this podcast and on my socials with kind of where I lean politically and something that I did in the, I think it was, it was 2019. I found a picture of Donald Trump when he was seven years old. And I put that photo on my phone um, because th that was, that was a season where I was being triggered on a hourly basis of my life. And, and something happened, Kirsten, I, exactly what you're saying. When I did that and I suddenly saw somebody um, as, as just as pure as they have ever been, um, that just actually brought the most empathy out of me towards somebody. And it did, it shifted everything. It started, that was kind of my moment where I said, you know what, like there, there's trauma that is, that is bringing about decisions in this man's life that probably happened when he was seven, that probably happened when he was eight. And so just mm -hmm. to be able to do that, I think is so healthy. I, lo I love that you, yeah. you know, lean into that because. Yeah. yeah. And I, and then also to say that, uh, that doesn't mean he's not accountable for his behavior. Right. Absolutely. And so it's like, how, how, but what will we sometimes call accountability? I say in the book, I think sometimes it's more like annihilation yeah. and, um, now Donald Trump is sui generis. I mean, he really is uh, sort Absolutely. of an yep. example unto his own. I don't think we can use him. They say like, you know, uh, bad cases make bad law. I yep. wouldn't use like, I think he's a sort of a special case and, and he's a much harder Absolutely. case because he's a leader too. And yeah. so yeah. you, you have That's a different level said. of responsibility. Yeah. Um, but I think that, um, you know, if you can kind of pull the lens back on people, but also recognize that they should be held accountable, but in a way that's humane. Yes. Uh, yes. And the same thing with our criminal justice system. It's, yeah. it's not humane. And that's the problem with it. It's not that people should be able to do whatever they want and they shouldn't be held accountable. It's that it should be in punishment always has to be restorative. And yes. so it always should be towards restoring what was broken, bringing Absolutely. wholeness where brokenness occurred versus vengeful yes. and punitive. Yes. And so, 
that's why I think our whole criminal justice system doesn't work. And I think that the way that we often hold people accountable doesn't work because it's lacking in humanity and it's not making things better. It's not changing them. It's not changing people around them who are seeing what's happening. Nobody's looking at that going, oh, I'm going to think about what I did or try to be different because Mm. they're, they're thinking that person was treated so unfairly and now I don't like the people who mistreated them. Right. Right. It's not. And so I think as, and like, and I say in the book, sometimes people do do things that are really, really bad and they're, and they've done them repeatedly and they're often not sorry. And so they will get punishment that looks pretty harsh and that's unfortunate. And sometimes it's necessary, but we have to be honest with ourselves about that. Yeah. Uh, You know, we can't say, it's not that big of a deal. They deserve that they got punished. It's like, no, they're getting a serious punishment mm-hmm. and that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and let's not act like it isn't. Let's not act like their life hasn't been seriously, you know, gone in another direction. And one of the things I, I say in the book is when you're thinking about holding someone accountable, calling somebody out, just ask yourself the simple question. What would I want someone to do to, with me if I had done this? Mm. Um, and because when I mess up, what do I want to happen? Do I want somebody to tweet it out and get a whole group of people online coming after me? Or do I want the opportunity to make it better? Do I want, I, I cite a professor named Loretta Ross in the book, who's the proponent of calling in. And so before you call somebody out, because sometimes people do need to be called out um, again with grace, um, but call them in. Like if you know them, call yeah. them. Or take them to coffee and say, "Hey, I, I noticed, you know, this, and I think it's problematic." And most of the time, I think people will say, "Thanks for telling me," right? Or if you see them on social media, send them a direct message and just say, "Hey, did you know that what you just said is is actually kind of harmful or, you know, problematic?" And give the person a chance. And I have friends that this has happened to. I have a friend who was uh, engaging in some behavior that was problematic online, and an anti-racism leader that he knew reached out to him and said, I know you don't realize this, but the way you're interacting right now is very problematic. And, you know, he was so grateful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he, he apologized and he ordered some books and he started looking at it and doing some work on himself. And now he's a different person. Crazy. It, you know, it's like, so it's versus if he had been dragged mercilessly and all those things, would that have necessarily been the thing that made him change i don't know um and and again i just want to be clear also that i'm not trying to single out people who are going on twitter and and calling people out because uh, for too long too many things have gone on and that's often the only recourse that people have it's the only platform they have it's the only way that they can be heard i mean i've been living i'm 53 so i've been around a little while and for most of my adult life things just went on and and were never dealt with. And because of black lives matter, because of me too, which happened on the internet and happened on social media, a lot of good things have happened. So we have to be honest about it. It's a, it it can be a highly problematic, toxic place, and it can also be a place for social change. And so that's that non-binary thinking, you know, it's the both and. So how do we use this for good? There's a lot of good things that come out of it. And how do we not, go down that toxic route um, where we're just making things this worse. This is such a needed uh, conversation. And the book, the whole book titled Saving Grace, Speak Your Truth, Stay Centered, and Learn to Coexist with People 
who drive you nuts. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, if, there, if there's ever been a subtitle for America, that is the subtitle. You know, that is, that is so good. Um, I, I, tell me, tell me real quickly, the, the conversation around the end of that subtitle, because I'm so glad that you ended with people that drive you nuts. Was there, was there any dialogue of like, I don't know, is that too harsh? Is that not, is that, was there some of that? Yeah, there was. Yeah. And it, but, but everybody pretty much, uh, agreed with so originally the subtitle was uh, was just that basically okay. how to coexist with people who drive you nuts. But then as yeah. I wrote the book, I realized now there's these other things, and I wanted yeah. by putting speak your truth on there to make it clear that the grace and speaking your truth go hand in hand. They're not absolutely they're not opposed to each other yeah. because I I didn't want people to look at it and think oh this is gonna be a book about how I should be nice to people who right. say horrible things. It's like no, it's not even about being nice. Right, it's not even really about your behavior. Yeah. I, you know, your behavior, people can be very polite and be thinking, I know, oh. and be very, and be thinking very contemptuous things. So welcome to the South. Uh, yes. Yeah. So it's not, it, it, it's your behavior will sort of naturally, I think be a little nicer, yeah. um, but it's not, that's not the point. The point is, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? How are you looking at other people? Yeah. Not, um, oh, I stayed calm and I was polite. Yeah. that's that's not really the measure and so um or i didn't say something that upset people you're gonna upset people i upset people all the time yeah every time i talk about racism everybody's mad at me right. and and people will say oh you're not having grace you wrote a book about grace and now you're talking it's like those things have, like right i didn't i can name problems in this country and i can say things that are maybe are hard to hear yeah um but but I, but that's not that's not not that's not that's not not great right right so and I think that that's a fundamental misunderstanding that we have and that we need to really learn about what it really means. Yes. And instead of this kind of spiritual bypassing kind of like, just, just grace, just yeah. show them grace yeah, and everything grace. will be great. And it's like, yeah. what does that even mean? Right. No, that's good. That's good. You, you gave us, uh, I think a, a runway to have the conversation, uh, in a, in a really healthy way. So Kirsten, this has been awesome. Thanks it's been so fun. for hanging out. I can't out. wait to see you in real life. Yes, yes. In real life. We, I feel like Kirsten and I see each other like at weddings, in green rooms, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when we're invited to things. Uh, one day, yeah. one, one day we'll, we'll have to gather on purpose and, uh, and totally. continue the conversation offline. This has been awesome. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. That was so good. Kirsten, thank you so much. I am so proud of you. Listen, every single person on planet Earth, head yourself over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Borders. Is, is there even such thing as Borders anymore? Who knows? What Am I going to say like, like Tower Records next? Just go find yourself the book, Saving Grace. Speak your truth. Stay centered and learn to coexist with people who drive you nuts. That may be me. You may be needing to read this book before you listen to my next podcast because you're like, I can't stand that Carlos and the SpongeBob guy. Kirsten, you are the best. What an incredibly, oh, not only insightful, but healing conversation with another journalist. Look, I got nothing but journalists up on this mug. So, so grateful for you, Kirsten. Friends, we got more to come. You do not want to miss next week's episode. Can I tell you? I'm going to give you a hint. Rewind back to episode one. Hmm. That's right. You don't want to miss next week because we got the OG coming back up on this mug. Guys, I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanking out with Carlos. Thank you. This is what I need you to do. 
head to your pod. Like right now, it's in your hand. You're looking at it. Give it five stars. Rate, review, five stars. Subscribe, follow, do all the things. Share this thing with your mother, brother, sister, all the people. And I will see you next week on another edition of the Human Hope Podcast. Thank you.